2: Visit Carvana.com
5: to finance your next car. Financing subject to credit approval. Delivery fees may apply.
6: At Consumer Cellular, you get the same exact coverage as the largest carriers, but for up to half the cost. Same thing, up to half the cost. Up to half the cost for the same thing. 50% the money
2: for 100% the same thing. I hope I'm making myself clear. Consumer Cellular. When Freedom Calls, we're here to answer. Call us at 1-888 Freedom. Half the
7: cost savings based on cost of Consumer Cellular single line five gigabyte data plan with unlimited talk and text compared to lowest cost single line postpaid unlimited talk, text, and data plan offered by T-Mobile and Verizon. May twenty twenty three.
6: You don't have to dip forever. You know that, right? You don't have to smoke forever. And the reason I say it like that is I have been that guy. I, I've been that guy. I dipped for so long. And what would happen is I would decide I'm going to quit. Ah, it's bad for me. I'm going to quit. I'm a man. I don't need any help. I'm just going to quit cold turkey. And I would fail time and time and time again. I tried things like the patch. That didn't work. Gum, sunflower seeds. I I tried it all. It's just a matter of finding the right thing to help you quit. That's Jake's Mint Chew. Go, put in your dip. Just make sure it's Jake's Mint Chew. It's tobacco-free. It's nicotine-free. It's even sugar-free. And I highly recommend, just a personal choice, I highly recommend their CBD pouches because it really helps take that extra edge off. Get a jakesmintchew.com. That's jakesmintchew.com. Make sure you use the promo code JESSE at checkout. When you do that, you get 10% off.
3: This is the Jesse Kelly Show.
6: What's the worst day in the history of America? Ever thought about that? What's the worst day in the history of America? I have one, I have the one I think it is, but we'll discuss that in a minute. We have the federal government talking about treating domestic extremism as an insurgency like they did in Afghanistan. We'll talk about that. Joe Biden cleaning house, firing everybody, and why he's exactly right. We have more social media censorship and heavy D a lot of him today what chris it's going to be such a great day 877 <laughs> uh, 8773774373 we have new pod we have new reviews of the show but first we have a lot to get to from the 1860s 1863 is the year let's do a brief Civil War recap to bring us up to speed on where we are at this time. It's been a couple years. What the war has mainly consisted of is the North attacking Southern fortified positions and getting their butts handed to them. You know all the talk we've done about World War One and how technology had advanced past where all the generals knew how to actually fight battles. So it just became purely a defensive war. Dig in your trench here. Here's a little machine gun nest. Feel free to charge. We know you're going to charge. Oh, look, you're all dead. Well, most people will tell you the preview you had of world war one was actually the civil war and it's very much going to apply today the weapons technology they had better cannons they had better muskets if that's even what you want to call them they they had better better rifles. By the end of it, they had machine guns. It was called a Gatlin gun. They They had these things in the Civil War, but think about the generals who were fighting in this thing. They essentially fought in the War of 1812. Not quite, but it's about that, right? So that technology wasn't there yet. And they're finding out the hard way, and I mean the hard way. You can't just charge at a dug-in army, you can't do that. You're going to die. And in their defense, you used to be able to do that. Before the weapons technology had advanced, you could do that. Times had changed. Times have changed. I've told you this story before. I'm not going to tell it again right now about... When we went charging, they were teaching us urban warfare in the Marine Corps. And we went charging in with uh, practice paint rounds into a building, platoon full of infantry Marines against like four or five guys and got slaughtered. Defense is very, very, very easy with the weapons technology we have now. And the North was finding out the hard way and they were finding out some other things the hard way. They were finding out. A lot of the best generals, they went down and fought for the South. Remember, we think of it as the North versus the South, and that's what it was. But prior to the Civil War, it was all just America. It was all America's generals. And the South had a way of breeding really, really good ones. Independent thinkers, aggressive, really good generals. It's not that there weren't any good ones in the North. There certainly were. I mean, Sherman is a legend. Grant, you know. But there were some great ones in the South. And the North by now, they've had two years, by 1863, they've had two years of really taking it on the chin. And you have to understand what a shock that was for them. I've told you before, the economy in the South, all of the South, was one-fifth the size of New York's. 93% of the weapons manufactured in the United States of America were made in the North. The North had more than double the population, about 20 million. The South had 9 million, but that counts the slaves, which don't count because they're not fighting. You You can't use them if you're the South to fight because the South wanted them to stay slaves. And yet, all this and the North had it Brutal in the beginning. The South was on the defensive. For the most part, the war was taking place in the South. And people fight differently when they fight on what they consider to be their homeland. We've used the example a thousand times. It's always applicable. If I stand you on the sidewalk with some gigantic 400 pound muscle bound maniac and two axes in each hand and he's going to try to get by you and behind you is just a payphone he's probably going to get by you fairly easily if I put your wife and children behind you you fight a little differently when you're defending your homeland you fight a little differently and they were figuring out these southerners not laying down for it now, Abraham Lincoln is in serious, serious political trouble at this point in time. People in the North are wearing down about the war because the North is getting its butt kicked. The North has taken brutal beatings at places, famous places. Fredericksburg, Bull Run 1, Bull Run 2, Chancellorsville. They're just losing, and the North finally... Now, granted, Grant is still sieging Vicksburg, but the North, the other Northern armies, finally they retreated back to the North to regroup, figure out what's going on, and their confidence is absolutely shot. And now Robert E. Lee chooses to. I mean, this is a this is going to be a difficult show to lay out because I. I'm a fan of Robert E Lee. I don't make any, I don't make any apologies for it. I think he was a honorable man. I think for the most part he was a very good general, one of the best in the war in my opinion. Grant was probably better, Sherman. Like I I look at the Civil War differently than everybody else does. I find the Civil War to be weird because it took place so long ago and yet people get so invested in and fighting about it now of what was right and what was wrong, we can just analyze the good and the bad on every side. I, I, I don't think it's difficult to say uh, slavery's really bad, should have never come here, wish it hadn't, glad it ended, while also saying uh, people were more loyal to their states back then, they were defending their states. It's th- These are normal conversations you're allowed to have, and they're real. You don't have to do the normal white guilt history thing you see today of North Good, South Bad. They were Nazis. Ah." that's, That's awful. Don't do that with me. That's awful. So Robert E. Lee was great. But Robert E. Lee, well, our story today is not going to paint him in the best light. Robert E. Lee, because he was a southern general and they were aggressive and they were daring, he decides... Okay, enough of this defending our homeland stuff. The North is on their heels. They're hurting. Their confidence is gone. We are feeling real confident because we ain't lost many of these things. Let's go to the North. Let's go threaten them in the North and try for a hammer fist knockout blow. And what's in the North that they want? Well, there's a lot in the North they want. We're going to discuss that in just a second as we get to our worst day in American history and firing everybody in the government. Good for Joe Biden. Hang on.
3: Listening to the Jesse Kelly show. You're welcome.
6: You're not gonna live forever. Neither am I. We're not gonna we're not gonna live forever, but the length of time does matter a little, right? And there, if it sounds a little dark, it's because I think about this. And since I've I've got a history of heart problems in my family that has ended lives, a history of blood pressure problems in my family. I think about it a lot. I have two sons. I want to be there to see their kids. I, I just do. And why would I not take Super Beats heart Shoes when I know just two of them, to, two per day, give me the cardiovascular support I need to promote heart-healthy energy? I need that. They're good for my blood pressure, too. I need that. And it's an easy thing to do, and they taste great. Go to getsuperbeats.com slash jesse. That's getsuperbeats.com slash jesse. That gets you two free 30-day supplies.
3: The Talk Radio Revolution. Jesse Kelly.
6: Democrat lawmaker says it's time to call Republicans terrorists. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. You can find me on social media at Jesse Kelly DC on Twitter, on Instagram. I'm on Facebook. Now, back to Gettysburg. Well, we're getting to Gettysburg. The Confederates, Robert E. Lee, decide they're going to plunge into the North. And one, yes, they're trying to break a worn-down Lacking in confidence, Northern Army, but two, they're also trying to break the siege of Vicksburg. You know, you attack somewhere else, it can force somebody to break a siege and come help. And the North, when they were in the South, were finding out some hard lessons themselves. Lessons the South was going to find out. You see, the North would charge into the South, and even people who weren't fighting considered the Northern army to be an invading army. How would you treat an invading army? The South also, they may not have had the manufacturing. They may not have had the population, but this was an agrarian economy, obviously on the backs of slaves, but this was an agrarian economy. The people in the South would feed the Southern troops, all of them. They were just, they were laying in a big sea of food. The North found this to be extremely frustrating. The South was about to find out this lesson. The South plunged into the North, and they had their eyes on Baltimore, Philadelphia, Washington, D.C., Harrisburg. Harrisburg was a huge railway depot at the time. And here's the thing for the North. The North had a big army up there. They had an army waiting for the South. But we don't think of things in these terms today because of satellites and cell phone cameras and tracking and GPS and whatnot. But oftentimes when it comes to war, ancient battles, just older battles, I don't think you'd call this ancient, armies didn't know where each other were. Huge armies, tens of thousands of men would just kind of disappear. You'd send out scouting forces trying to track them down, and then you'd see them. You'd have to ride back and report and so on. You're trying to find them. The North has an army up there. They know the South is marching an army up there, now has an army up in Pennsylvania. What they don't know is, one, where they are, or two, where they're going. The North is well aware there are some very important targets up there, and they don't know. They don't know what the Southern plans are. All all we have now is hindsight. They they didn't have any idea. But that went both ways. Robert E. Lee never knew where the Union Army was either. They just didn't know. They didn't know. I mean, our story today is going to start by accident. We'll We'll get to that in a second. And I do have to point something out to give the man some credit. Longstreet was uh, one of Lee's top generals. His name Longstreet. He was dead set. Well, he's been. he's going to be right this entire story. He was dead set against this invasion of the North. Dead set against it and told Lee as much. He said, well, why? We're winning everything down here. We're here with our people. We're here with our food. Why? In Lee's defense... He understood the North had a much better Navy and they were blockading Southern ports and the South really needed this war to end sooner rather than later or they were going to starve to death. You can only grow so much corn to feed so many armies, so on and so forth. But Longstreet was dead set against us. Now, in the North, Lincoln fired their General Hooker. All the northern generals had been getting crushed. This was the, Hooker was not unique in this. All the northern generals sucked. McClellan, Hooker, all of them. Quick, Chris, let's grow up now. Let's grow up now. They fired the Hooker. All right, there we go. Have, everyone have a good laugh. And he hires somebody. Perhaps you've heard this name before. Meade. He hires General Meade. General Meade was famously an unpleasant individual to be around. Nevertheless, he was highly respected, a good general, not Hannibal Barca, but he was a good, solid general. He's not going to get you in a bind. He's not going to make any mistakes. Now, there's another thing the South had going against it. They were missing, in my opinion, and this is a huge opinion, and I'll have 90 emails because Civil War uh, freaks are passionate about it, which I love. I'll have 90 emails arguing this point with me tomorrow. Lee had lost Thomas Stonewall Jackson, the greatest general in the Civil War. That's a pure opinion thing, but it's not an opinion that Stonewall Jackson was a boss uh, eccentric, very weird, no question about it, an absolute stud of a general, absurdly brave, his his tactics on the battlefield, just one of those guys. So much of that stuff is instinct, when to attack, when to pull back, when to move here, when to move there, and Jackson was just a master. He was a master at it, and he had died at Chancellorsville. So Lee had lost his best general by a mile, which hurt him a lot, and Lee knew it. Lee Lee was vocal about that. Uh, I think Jackson, Jackson lost an arm and I forget which arm it is. So I'm going to screw up the quote, but I think it was his left arm. And Lee said, Jackson has lost his left arm. I've lost my right arm. Meaning that's what Jackson meant to Lee. It was, it was a big deal. Lee knew it was a big deal. So Lee plunges deep into Pennsylvania. And they're paralleling each other. Now the armies finally get a, some sense of where they are. Lee is in the west, the northern army is in the east, and they're moving north, kind of paralleling each other, but far apart. And Lee sends, don't worry about remembering this name, I've already hit you with way too many names today. you know, I don't normally do this. Lee sends a general, Stuart. Stuart had 10,000 cavalry underneath him. He sends Stuart out to try to bait the Union army into attacking him, to try to bait them into doing something. The south was famous for this they'd send huge cavalry units out to harass, to raid, to 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 get supplies, basically gigantic raiding parties is what they were. And Stuart takes his 10,000 men and takes off. Only Lee tells him when he leaves, "Do not fall out of communication with me. You are a critical part of my army. This is all my cavalry. I need you and I need your cavalry." Stuart takes off. But the southern generals, while they were daring and often very, very good, aggressiveness can work against you, too. They were very independent thinkers oftentimes in the south, and Stuart took off and did not communicate with Lee and fell out of contact with Lee. And many people argue this is the reason Gettysburg was lost, frankly. If you think Gettysburg's the worst day in American history and maybe the most consequential day in American history, Stuart not communicating with Lee might be the reason there's no Southern country today. You could very well have a Southern nation today if Stuart communicates with Lee, and we'll get to why in a moment. It was that big of a deal. Now, the battle itself, like I said, starts by accident. The rebels were in the North. They would routinely raid farms in towns for the supplies they needed. In their defense, there wasn't a lot of you know raping and murdering of innocent civilians. There wasn't that. They did not conduct themselves that way. And really, neither did the North. For the most part, I know, don't write me. I know there were a thousand small incidents. For the most part, as brutal and horrible as the war was, the opposing armies didn't treat the opposing civilians like dirt. There there was no Rape of Nanking type stuff going on here. But the battle starts by accident as many battles do. South rides into Gettysburg. North rides into Gettysburg. Oh! Looks like we're going to fight today. And we're going to get to the battle here now. And then we're going to get to the former CIA counterterrorism guy. He thinks you're a terrorist. Hang on.
5: A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council.
4: When a social media company applies these standards unequally on users, this is discrimination, pure and simple. Can you imagine tolerating this kind of behavior in banking or in healthcare or in other industries? So today we announced during this legislative session uh, that we will seek to do the following. Ensure that Floridians are safeguarded against these practices from technology companies by requiring proper notice and disclosure of these changes to the standards and full disclosure of any actions taken against a user for violating the standards. We'll also seek to prevent these platforms from rapidly changing these standards and applying them unequally against users. We'll also require that users be provided the option to opt out of the various algorithms these platforms use to steer content, or in many cases, suppress content from the view of other users. But these provisions are of no use without enforcement, and we will provide recourse for Floridians, both by enabling a user to bring a cause of action against a technology company, for violating these requirements of Florida law and empowering the attorney general to bring action against the technology company for violations of these requirements under Florida's unfair and deceptive trade practices act
6: Mm, heavy D others are talking about it. Heavy D Ron DeSantis governor of Florida seems to be doing something about it. My word. We may have to pack up this whole operation, Chris, and move to Florida. There's a ton of you people down there, anyway. Eight seven seven three seven. What do you mean? Are they? Oh, are you kidding me? Old people move from New York to Florida all the time. There's a huge Jewish population down there. It's part of the reason. that um, it's part of the reason. The uh, one of my bagels, bagels, the best bagels I've ever had in my life. Second best, oh, next to New York, Florida. Florida is such a cool place. If you never visited Florida, you would love it. Oh, it's Florida is like uh, if you get to the right place. Florida is like you've transported yourself to Mexico or the Caribbean or all that, only you're right here in America. It is. Florida has some absurdly cool places. You'd love Florida. Quit being cheap, Chris. Gosh. No, you don't go to the old people parts, Chris. You know what? Never mind. 877-377-4373. Jesse at com. But, all right, back to my Civil War thing. The Rebels accidentally... And the Northerners accidentally run into each other in Gettysburg. The Rebels take off, go grab some help and come back, and boom, it's on. Now, I'm going to describe the layout very briefly of the battlefield. It's very hard to do on radio uh, maybe we'll find a uh, getty you know what we will on the show's Twitter, Chris, get a Gettysburg battle kind of where they were lined up, how they were lined up. Put a picture up on the show, Twitter, please. if you wouldn't mind, thank you, appreciate it. But here's how it worked. And it's going to be as confusing as humanly possible. The Southerners, remember they were invading the north. they were actually coming from the north in this in this town. The northerners were coming from the south. And south of the Union Army was a series, it was a a ridge line, a bunch of ridges where the Northerners had some reserve troops dug in. So they run into each other in the town, the south takes off, turns around, comes back with some guys, and they start attacking the Northerners in this town. And outside of the town, to the south of the town. The south wins this day, they do. The South wins this day, but the North does not get routed, does not get slaughtered. They, they, they have an orderly retreat back up into the ridge. And once again, I have to point out Longstreet and Lee's disagreement. You remember I just said the Northerners retreated to the ridge, a fortified, wooded ridge. Longstreet looks at this and says, well, why would we attack them up there? That's terrible. That's the same stupid stuff they've been doing to us the whole war. That's why we've been beating them. Why don't we just leave this battlefield? They have all the advantages. Let's leave the battlefield. Let's go around them and take off for D.C. All we have to do is put ourselves between them and D.C., and they will be forced to attack us on whatever ground we choose because we're between them and D.C. In... One of the most consequential decisions in the history of the United States of America, Robert E. Lee disagreed. I don't know whether it was pride, nerves, arrogance, a lack of confidence. I don't know. I can't put myself in the head in, in the guy's head. But he said, no, I'm I'm gonna whip them right here. Now, on that ridgeline, this is it's difficult to lay this out on radio, but on the ridgeline. The ridgeline was running north to south. And on the southern end of the ridgeline was a place called Big Round Top and Little Round Top. And they're exactly what you'd think two like individual hills, tall hills, wooded hills. Those are the southern end of the line. The south's plan is this we're not going to attack the middle of the line. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll shoot at them a little. We have to try to flank them. Let's go down. Take big and little Round Top, and then we'll just roll up the whole rest of the Union Army as we take off through the Ridgeline. That is the plan. And this plan almost worked. And again, I come back to General Stewart, who's still not here with his 10,000 cavalry guys. They're gone. The battle kicks off. The North... Yes, they're dug in on the ridge at Little and Big Round Top, but they are 10 to 1 odds. That's how badly the North is outnumbered down here. And the South, and and, I mean, it's one of those scenes, it would be terrible, so you wouldn't enjoy it. At the same time, I want to see it. The South, to their credit, they fight and they just keep charging up these little round top hills trying to blow the northern troops off the top of the hills and the northern troops Joshua Chamberlain and his men from Maine he's a famous guy from this battle they can they just fight like lions sometimes they actually get blown off the hilltop and fight right back to their defensive positions and we are talking bayonets muskets it is horrific hand-to-hand fighting as the South is trying desperately to blow them off the top. At one point, towards the end of this this part of the battle, the Union, remember I said they were outnumbered? They ran out of ammunition because they'd shot so many of the rebels, and the rebels were still coming. They fixed bayonets and charged. It actually worked. It was one of the most daring, brilliant things I've ever heard of in my life. The South was so freaked out By a bunch of guys charging downhill with with bayonets fixed. They turned around and took off. And this was the end of this day. And it was a horrible, bloody day for both sides. Some southern units were completely destroyed. Gone. Here one day, gone the next. A horrible day for both sides. And that was day two. Which brings us to day three, the final day. And once again, I feel like I've said this 90 times today. It's hard to put yourself in the mind of Robert E. Lee and exactly what he was thinking. But you had, you know, like I just said, whole units wiped out. Some units, 80% casualties, some 50% casualties. You had huge Southern losses. But there were big Northern losses too. Lee decides he wants to charge the center of the Ridgeline on day number three. And if you could see, I I almost want you to Google image search this while I'm talking. There, the Union guys are dug in in the Ridge. And it's open field between you and them. It's just, I'll put it to you this way. You know the great General MacArthur and his British counterpart, McCarthy, or McCarthy Montgomery MacArthur and Montgomery they were I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall in this conversation you want to know what they did at Gettysburg later on I'll tell you exactly what they did in just a second hang on
3: Jesse Kelly Show.
9: Wake up and text. Text and eat. Mm-mm. Text and catch the bus. Text and miss your stop. Wait, 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 wait. Text and be late to work.
0: Sorry, I'm late.
9: Text and work. Text and pretend to work. A public service announcement brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council.
4: We've also seen the breadth of big tech's influence on campaigns and elections. While there wasn't a state in the union that ran a better election than Florida last year, we still saw on a national scale how articles, candidates, and content had the thumbprints of big tech executives all over them. You can look no further than the last several months of the election as coordinated, calculated efforts were undertaken to advance an increasingly evident political agenda of the big tech companies. The problem is these companies are playing a significant role in the advancement of issues and candidates, but do so without recording many of their efforts for what they are, political contributions. If I were to give something of value to a candidate or political committee, it would be a contribution. But Big Tech has been manipulating news content and designing algorithms to give the upper hand to their candidates of choice, and they do so scot-free. Again, euphemistically called content moderation. I think it's more political manipulation.
6: Mm -mm. Keep bringing the pain, Heavy D. Keep bringing the pain. We are with you. And yes, I'm going to get to what the defense secretary, what Joe Biden did, that I love, absolutely love, here in just a second as I wrap up Gettysburg. Day three. Lee thinks the Northern Army is hurting. Lee wants to charge. Charge right at the center of it. Longstreet once again says... I'm sorry, what? You you want to... I'm sorry, I, maybe I'm not hearing you right because I had a cannon go off next to me yesterday. Did you just... I, I thought I heard you say you wanted to charge across the open field towards the center of the line. That's exactly what Lee wanted. But... military is not a democracy. It is a dictatorship. Robert E. Lee says that's what we're doing. And he finds a man... By the name of Pickett. Yes, you've probably heard of Pickett's Charge. Pickett's guy. Pickett's division. They hadn't been bloodied yet, this battle. Lee tells Pickett, you're going to charge. You're going to charge the center of it. The rebels start off shooting some cannons at the north. And shades of World War I... They think they're going to shoot so many cannonballs up there that they'll have blown them off their defensive positions and then be able to charge, only to find out later that was very much not the case. The Rebels shoot a lot of cannons. The Northern Army shoots a few, but then stops. Why? Because they can't believe their dumb luck. These guys are going to charge right at us across the open field. Just hold fire until they get closer. Pickett asks Longstreet, who's above him, all right, am I? he basically asks him for the order, and Longstreet wrote about this in his memoirs. Longstreet was so horrified that he was ordering men to what he knew was going to be certain doom, he couldn't voice the words to Pickett to tell him to charge. He just nodded his head. Pickett takes 13,000 men, day three, and Pickett charges. The Union Army holds fire for the most part with their cannons and their muskets until the rebels get close enough, and then, well, hell happens. I don't have another way to describe it. I've read so much on this battle, watched so much, and it just sounds like Hell, all the muskets, the the cannons are not only firing the big cannonballs, you you see they're firing grape shot, which is exactly what you think it is. A bunch of steel balls. They said they would shoot a cannon and 10 men would die instantly. Body parts, gear flying everywhere. Carnage by the thousands, by the thousands. And the rebels kept charging bravely to their credit. Absurd levels of bravery, charging into certain death as the Union just mowed them down like grass. Only one rebel unit even got to the actual Union line, and they all promptly died for their trouble. He started out with 13,000 men. By the time the day was over, he limped back to his line with about 6,000 left. An uh, an awful day in American history. Thousands and thousands and thousands over the course of three days dead on both sides. Quick little side note, Pickett hated Robert E. Lee for life after this, said that he sent his men to get slaughtered that day. He he considered him a murderer. Again, not unlike World War I, many of the guys, many of the British uh, considered the British General Haig from what he did at the Somme, considered him to be a mass murderer for what he did to their guys. The truth is this. The decisions we make, the decisions we make when we have these huge, important battles going on for the direction of America, the soul of America, Politics is fun. Yes, we enjoy it. It's a a hobby for most of us, In a passion. I'm not going to act like it's just a hobby, like hacky sack or something. But these are humongous, life-changing, life-ending decisions we make. When I scream at the GOP to get tougher and get braver, as I'm going to do again today over something that's driving me up the wall, I am not doing it lightly. I'm doing it because the threat is very real now. And I need them to wake up because the cost of failure here is high. What am I talking about? Oh, I'm about to
2: tell you. One in three adults has prediabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy. Your football buddy. Go! or you, your best man, your worst man, you, your dog walker, your cat jogger. While one in three adults has prediabetes, with early diagnosis, prediabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners.
6: 877-377-4373. Jesse at Jessikellyshow.com. You can email the show. Do email the show. Remember, everything you send to jesse at jessekellyshow.com, I read all of them. They all go right to Jewish producer Chris. He prints them to me. I read them. And you can send your hate, too, your love, your hate, your death threats. Make sure you send in your Ask Dr. Jesse questions early whenever you think of them because you'll forget by Friday or Thursday night when most of you send them in. They don't get lost in the shuffle. All the Ask Dr. Jesse questions get set aside. I'm going to try to start answering at least one throughout the week. Remember, you can find me on social media, at DC on Twitter, Instagram. I'm on Facebook. And I saw this headline, and my my jaw dropped. Not because I didn't see it coming, but because I did, and no one else did, and I'm mad. I'll tell you about it in a second.
3: Jesse Kelly returns next. This is the Jesse
4: Kelly Show. We're going to take aim at those companies and pull back the veil and make sure these guys don't continue to find loopholes and gray areas to live above the law. Uh, under our proposal, if a technology company deplatforms platforms a candidate for elected office in Florida during an election, a company will face a daily fine of $100,000 until the candidate's access to the platform is restored. Again, any Floridian can de-platform any candidate they choose You simply unsubscribe, and it's a right that I believe belongs with the citizen. Further, if a technology company promotes a candidate for office against another, the value of that free promotion must be recorded as a political campaign contribution enforced by the Florida Elections Commission. And lastly, if a technology company uses their content and user-related algorithms to suppress or prioritize the access of any content related to a political candidate or cause on the ballot, that company will also face daily fines.
6: Mm, how about that? Looks like somebody... Is interested in doing something about all this mess. That is great. The great Ron DeSantis heavy D. Look, I'm obviously. I'm purposely going a little over the top. With my Ron DeSantis love at this point in time. Let me explain something to you. I'm very impressed with Ron DeSantis. So far, very impressed. Do not fall in love with him. Do not fall in love with any U.S. politician. With any politician ever. They're only men. They will disappoint you at some point in time, but I like what I see. All right, Jesse at jessikellyshow.com. I saw this coming. I saw this coming a mile away, and I saw it coming right away. And you know I saw it coming because so I came on the radio and told you exactly what was going to happen. You remember that stupid thing at the Capitol? Immediately. Obviously, the left was talking about insurrection and coup, and, which is so absurd. There's a bunch of idiots storming. The ca- half of them had camera crews with them. I understand it was a violent day that people died. That it was it was not an insurrection or a stop. Stop. We don't have to be overly dramatic like a teenage girl about everything, please. But immediately, as they always do. The right, the pundits and politicians on the right, especially in the D.C. area, begin to parrot the left's language. This is an insurrection. We have to impeach. This is a dark day for America. This is a coup. And I'm screaming on the radio and on TV that day. Uh, what? Hold up here. Hold up here. Um... They're going to use this against you, right? Because something one thing we have to be clear about the communists, one, one thing you have to be very, very clear about. They don't actually care about any of these individual incidents at all. None, they don't care. They don't care about a new freshman congresswoman. They don't care really about the the, the raid on the Capitol. They, they don't care. Every single thing that happens, they do what communists have always done, and they just look at it and immediately, immediately analyze, can I use this? Can I gain power with this? What can I do to crush them with this? That's how they think. And the right doesn't seem to get this through their thick skulls. While people on the right were screaming, insurrection, coup, I was screaming, stop. These people are going to use this to go after you and go after me. Why are you so stupid? How is it we are constantly weak and stupid? Constantly. And what do you know? Already we've had the DHS talk about opposing Joe Biden being potentially domestic terrorism. We have this former CIA officer. Treat domestic extremism as an insurgency. Robert Grenier served as the CIA's station chief for Pakistan and Afghanistan in 2001. He went on to become the CIA's Iraq mission manager and then director of the CIA counterterrorism center from 2004 to 2006. You want to know what he had to say? We may be witnessing the dawn of a sustained wave of violent insurgency within our own country. Perpetrated by our own countrymen. Extremists who seek a social apocalypse are capable of producing epidemic political violence of a sort not seen in this country since the Reconstruction. Goes on to say... I don't want to be the one to suggest that somehow the United States is going to in any way resemble Iraq or Afghanistan at the height of violence, but what I think is useful is to have some way of thinking about the problem and thinking through the elements of the solution. So I think as in any insurgency situation, you have committed insurgents who are typically a relatively small proportion of the affected population. But what enables them to carry forward their program is a large number of people who from, from where they draw tacit support, and that's what I'm primarily concerned with. I think what is most important is we drive a wedge between those violent individuals and the people who may otherwise see them as reflecting their interests and fighting on their behalf. And then they ask him, what do you want to do about it? Well, he wants to treat this whole thing like he treated Iraq and Afghanistan. This is just yet another example. They don't look at China as the enemy. They don't really look at North Korea as the enemy or Russia as the enemy. You are the enemy. They've always looked at you that way. The capital thing had nothing to do with it. Nothing. They've always looked at you that way. And they're always looking for a reason to crush and stomp their enemy. And we have to understand that mentality so we stop making the same mistakes over and over and over and over again. It's unreal. Unreal. The system comes up with the narrative. Have you ever noticed they all come up with the same thing at the same time? Like this freshman congresswoman everybody's talking about, Marjorie Taylor Greene. Weird that as soon as the Trump thing was over and the capital rate thing was over, Biden starts signing all these terrible executive orders. And it's, man, it's so weird that all the news outlets, the entire system, started talking about Marjorie Taylor Greene in her old Facebook posts immediately. And it's weird how 99% of the D.C. right, the politicians and pundits, immediately started parroting those talking points. Why do you think the system does that? So you're always fighting for it and never fighting against it. And I've got news for you, Republican pundits and politicians. As soon as they're done with her and they've got you talking about her forever and focusing on her forever, they're going to drop her like a hot potato and move on to the next thing that'll get you attacking yourself instead of attacking them and exposing them. That's what they do. It's going to be four years of this, of them dangling something shiny in front of you. Oh, look, a squirrel! And the right chasing it. Stop chasing it. They don't care about any of these issues. They don't care at all about coronavirus. You know that because they've all been caught violating their coronavirus rules a thousand times. They don't care about black people. They just knew they could use the Black Lives Matter, George Floyd, Antifa riots to help destroy cities, cause chaos, and win an election. They didn't care about the raid on the Capitol at all. They knew they could use it to crush your liberty. They don't care about Marjorie Taylor Green, even a little bit. They just know for a fact they can get you distracted fighting yourself so you're not fighting them. Understand what you're facing so we can stop losing. My word.
3: Stocky, follow, like, and subscribe on social at Jesse Kelly Show.
6: I have made a resolution this year. Yes, I admit it's kind of corny, but it was a New Year's resolution, and that was that I was going to be healthier by the end of this year than I am at the beginning of it. And yeah, I am trying to eat a little better. As you well know, I'll never be perfect. I'm trying to eat a little better, I'm trying to work out more. I'm trying to take care of my heart, take care of my blood pressure. And Super Beats, Heart Shoes, they're part of my healthy routine, a necessary part of my healthy routine. How could I not take the easiest step to take care of my health? It's like having dessert. I eat two every single night with dinner. You eat them whenever. I eat them right after dinner. It's like eating two fruit snacks, and they make me healthier. Go to getsuperbeats.com slash jesse. That's getsuperbeats.com slash jesse for two free 30-day supply.
4: The message is loud and clear. When it comes to elections in Florida, big tech should stay out of it. Uh, Big tech has long since abdicated the protection of consumers for the pursuit of profit. Uh, We can't allow Floridians' privacy to be violated. Their voices and even their livelihoods diminished and their elections interfered with.
6: Mm -mm -mm. Sounds like a man taking it seriously. Oh, did you hear? Did, Did you? Chris, did you hear this guy on TV last night? Oh, what do you mean who? Everybody's talking about it today. It's honestly, it's one of the sharpest things I've heard in a while on television. Um, So you know what? It's time to celebrate someone else for a change. Listen to this. I saw this last night. Well, just like we talked about the big lie, the system lying. And if there's a big problem, the system just tells a bigger lie. I got a kick out of this one, too. This uh, This is a doozy. Quote, We hold the largest social movement in global history. Today, we have been nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize. People are waking up to our global call for racial justice and an end to economic injustice, environmental racism, and white supremacy. We're only getting started. And yes, you guessed it. That's from Black Lives Matter, nominated for a Nobel Peace Prize. Let's look in on Black Lives Matter from last night. This is in Rochester, New York. Yeah, that's them at a police department in Rochester, New York, ripping down fencing. And let's, I mean, look, let's take a little trip down memory lane. You do remember what these people were doing all summer long, right? And I mean all summer long. They weren't just standing on a street corner with a sign. Here's what they were doing. peace prize you see what i mean it's just it's the perfect example of what we were just talking about in the beginning the more violent you are the more chaos you cause the more you're in line for a peace prize and let's not forget speaking of the lies they tell you let's not forget how these protests were covered this was the washington post this summer's blm protests were overwhelmingly peaceful our research finds The Guardian, quote, nearly all Black Lives Matter protests are peaceful despite Trump narrative report finds. Time came out with this doozy, quote, 93% of Black Lives Matter protests have been peaceful. New report finds and so on and so on and so on. And I'm actually not picking on the scumbags of Black Lives Matter for once. I'm more just showing you how completely broken the system is. We are now at a point Anybody the system elevates, you should be suspicious of. And anybody the system comes down on, probably a hero. Isn't that a weird place to be in life? Again, that was from my show, I'm Right. It's on the first every single night, 9 p.m. Eastern. Isn't that a weird place to be? I I feel like we're in such a twilight zone where anybody celebrated by the system Anybody, cover of magazines, winning awards, anybody celebrated by the system, you should immediately think, oh, oh, what did they screw up? What did they do wrong? Anyway, I, all right, I told you we were going to take some phone calls today and we will 877-377-4373, 877 377 Let's get a Mike in New York. Mike, go.
10: Good morning, Jesse. This is Mike from New York. Just a quick question. Would you consider Andrew Cuomo a mass murderer or serial killer?
6: <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, I think mass murderers probably more along the lines of being fair. And what's what's amazing, Mike, just what we were just talking about. That's why I wanted you to come on. He got an Emmy for that. He wrote a book already. He wrote a book on coronavirus response when he murdered old people by the thousand up there. Mike, what are you doing up there? Get down to Texas.
10: Uh, no, I'm up in New York. I'm a retired law enforcement.
6: I got you. Um, tell me, as retired law enforcement, why why still do the job these days? I I, I can't believe these guys who still do the job. It's thankless. Everybody has a cell phone. You're not allowed to touch anybody no matter how bad they are. Why is it just a calling? Why still do the job?
10: Because I feel that inherently it's it's down deep inside that you want to help people and you want to do good out there. And you want to put the bad guys away. And you want to make uh, society safe. I hear that.
6: All right, Mike, what did you have for dinner last night? I had a
10: hamburger and it was 73.27. <laughs> My
6: that's man. That's now, wait a minute. A hamburger or a cheeseburger, Mike? That's an important distinction.
10: Oh, no. Cheeseburger, of course. American
6: cheese. <laughs> I appreciate you, Mike. Thanks, man. Right. Ah. Look, Cuomo's a great example. That's why I wanted him to run. He's a great example. Cuomo. Is responsible, not just that the deaths happen at his state, because we can't put every death on a politician. That's stupid. It was dumb on the left, it is dumb when we do it. But Cuomo had a policy of coronavirus people being placed into the homes of old being placed into old people homes and killed old people, thousands of them. And did he go to jail? Did he get kicked out of office? They were trying to get him to run for president. He wrote a book on the pandemic response. He won an Emmy. That's exactly what I was talking about in that video. And it's, it's so surreal. And it's why it's not so much... It's not so much the people the system celebrates because it's easy to convince you and convince me, okay, those are in general bad people. We know. The second they're holding someone up, all right, this is probably a bad person. What we have to be careful about is this. We have to be careful about demonizing the people the system tells us to demonize. And that gets a lot more difficult. Have you seen? Uh, have you seen what this person said uh, uh, on Twitter 19 years ago? And, and but we we got access to their uh, private text messages, and they'll dig up every bad part of your life. And everybody has bad parts of their life, right? We actually dug in, and we found from his uh, divorce court proceedings that he once screamed at his wife and called her a bad name. They'll dig up things that will make you hate the person they hate. The system has ways of destroying you, destroying your reputation, and we have to be very careful now as people aware of it. We have to be very, very, very careful that we don't fall into the trap of hating the people the system tells us to hate. Of of saying, oh, okay, that must be the bad guy. Why? Well, the news told me so and this actor told me so and this guy told me so. We have to be very, very careful about that. And that is much more difficult than anything else because let's be honest, the social pressure to jump on the "this person's a scumbag" train is so much. You remember the Donald Trump stuff? The when Selena Zito did, uh, they did a bunch of exit polling after Trump won the election. A third of the Trump voters wouldn't tell anybody they voted for him. Goes to my gladiator theory, which I haven't talked about in forever. You know what? It's time to talk about my great gladiator theory. Hang on, Chris.
5: No word in the English language is less convincing than probably.
6: Reading the right as domestic terrorists is something coming. I'm telling you. Democrat lawmaker says it's time to call Republicans terrorists. This is House Republican Jackie Spear out of California. The Republicans have been calling Democrats the radical left. Time to call Republicans the terrorist right. Why do you think they've been using words like Nazi, white supremacist, and now terrorists for so long. House Democrat. United States House of Representatives Democrat. That's the thing. These are not the people who use these words now. Nazi, white supremacist, terrorist. It's not some idiot college kid in his sociology class. These are the highest-ranking Democrats in the United States of America. The highest-ranking Democrats in the United States of America use this language to describe you and describe me. Why did they do it? They're trying to dehumanize you. They're trying to dehumanize you, and they're trying to justify what they really, really want to do to you. That's why they're doing it. They all have the same plan. What have I told you a thousand times? Communists in America are no different than communists have always been. Counselor, let me start with you. This is the 14-page brief filed by the president's lawyers. Uh, It
8: says, number one, this is unconstitutional because he is a former president. Uh, It says, number two, that
5: he has a First Amendment right to speak, and therefore he said things at a rally and people attacked the Capitol. You can't hold him accountable.
0: Yeah, those are wrong, um, and they're well countered by the very long brief the House filed earlier today. I mean, you don't have a First Amendment right to lie.
6: You don't have a First Amendment right to lie? That's a CNN legal analyst. Actually, you do. You have a First Amendment right to say whatever you want. That's why it's the First Amendment. Whatever you want. And I'll tell you something else. I'm going to get to the gladiator theory in a moment here. Don't worry. But I'll tell you something else. You can believe things all of society thinks are terrible, and you have a First Amendment right to do that. You know that, right? You know you have every right. You know it's not illegal to uh, hate Asian people, hate black people, hate white people, hate women, hate men, hate tall, hate short, hate fat. Not only is it not illegal, not that there won't be you know some public black backlash to it. you're allowed to say it you're allowed to print it on a piece of paper. you can print right now. I, I hate fat white people and print it for the whole world to see uh you're allowed to say that. But should you ah uh, probably not right but that's not illegal. That's not illegal in America. You don't want it to be illegal. Think of the most detestable thing you think somebody can believe or say. You should still want them to be able to say it. Period. End of story. But what we've done is we've created this shame society. And I have this theory. I've told it a thousand times on the show. The gladiator theory. If the ancient Roman gladiatorial games were brought back today, for one big event. One big pay-per-view event at a football stadium here in America. And we knew that it was two months away. And I mean everything. Gladiator on gladiator fights to the death. Gladiator on animal fights to the death. How well do you think that would go over today? Gladiators or just regular people killing and torturing prisoner? I mean the works. All of it. All of it. Brought back. One big pay-per-view event today. Think for a moment of what the massive international outcry against it would be. How it would be like nothing you've ever seen in your entire life. Social media companies would ban you talking about it. There'd be congressional hearings. There would be 10,000 news stories is probably light for how many news stories there would be about this outrage and we can't do this. And by the time they were done with all that, you wouldn't be able to find a single person who would, on camera, admit that they're going to buy it. Every single person would say, oh, no, Oh, no way, no, no, I think it's terrible. It's absolutely, der- the worst thing I've ever heard of in my life. I-, I hate it. And then on the day of the event, it would shatter every pay-per-view record there ever was. That's what we have now. That's That's not a healthy place to be as a society shame society and i mean look republicans are nazis republicans are white supremacists republicans are terrorists you realize the dhs is getting sued over social media surveillance right you get that this is from gizmodo.com Department of Homeland Security is being slammed with a new lawsuit after spending just over a year failing to respond to repeated attempts at investigating its long-term data hoovering practices. The suit was filed last week by the Center for Democracy and Technology, a tech policy centric nonprofit based out of D.C., over allegations that two immigration agencies, falling out of the DHS's purview, failed to respond to three separate FOIA, that's Freedom of Information Act, requests the CDT initially filed in 2019. That's right. They're gaining. You see, the system always works with itself. Now, I want you to pause for a moment. Don't tell me. I don't want to know. How's your Google search history? How's your old Facebook posts, even the ones you've deleted. How your private messages look ever? Send an inappropriate joke now. If the United States government starts working hand in hand, what well, starts, continues working hand in hand with big tech, and let's say. Let's say you put up a pro-gun post, maybe a picture of you on Facebook holding an AR-15 or something like that. Maybe you got a MAGA hat on. What if somebody gets a wild hair that they think you could be a potential domestic terrorist? Not that I think the FBI would ever lie to get a FISA warrant on somebody, which obviously, yes, they would. How much could they rip apart and destroy your life With the snap of their fingers, with the snap of their fingers, that is dangerous. We are entering a dangerous age, a dangerous age. Oh, you think I'm making any of that up? Headline, Facebook bans a Second Amendment group without explanation. Headline, House Democrat demands U.S. military screen troops' social media for links to extremist groups. Now, let me ask you something. I know what you might be thinking. I'm not in an extremist group. You go to church? Let me ask you something. Does your church, synagogue, mosque, whatever you have, does your church... Believe that marriage is only between a man and a woman? Have you ever professed those beliefs, or does your church profess those beliefs? I mean, for the most part, that answer is yes. How far away do you think we are from that making you a hate crime extremist? Do you think we're that far away? Do you believe the Second Amendment Amendment was put there to protect you from a despotic government as it was, as the founders laid out? Have you ever professed those beliefs anywhere? Private email? Social media? Google search? Have you ever Google searched how to 3D print a weapon? Do you understand what I'm saying? This road we're traveling down really, really, really fast is a really, really dangerous road. It is time to be on our toes, and it is time to lighten this show up. My word, it's time for one of my favorites. Hang on.
3: Missed out? Catch up.
8: jessikellyshow.com
0: You're never completely ready to adopt a teen.
8: For late nights writing English papers.
0: For your teen's music taste.
8: For dinners, where they talk more on their phone than with you.
0: For the first time, they call you mom.
8: You're never completely ready to adopt a teen. And you can't imagine the reward.
0: To learn more about adopting a teen, visit AdoptUSKids.org.
8: Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, AdoptUSKids, and the Ad Council.
0: Part time job,
3: full time hustle, all time Shiro to all of us. You nurture, we listen. You teach, we thrive. You lift our spirits, but we've got to lay down the truth. It's time for you, our Shiro, to stretch for the stars. Start saving more for retirement now so you can feel prepared and live your life to the fullest.
0: Get free tips to help boost your retirement savings now at aceyourretirement.org slash A message brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council.
6: Eight seven seven three seven seven four three seven three 377 Jesse at jessikellyshow.com. We called in reinforcements to talk about Civil War stuff because nobody knows more about this than Cam Edwards, BearingArms.com. Cam, before we get to all the political stuff, I talked Gettysburg at the opening of the show. What hits you most about Gettysburg? Robert E. Lee's mistakes?
11: I'm sorry, tell me, me that question again. What, what, what about Gettysburg?
6: What hits you most when you think about Gettysburg, beyond obviously the carnage and the body counts, when you're thinking yeah. about how the South lost it? Robert E. Lee's mental mistakes, what is it?
11: You know, I, I mean, that's part of it. But I, I think, for me, the, the big takeaway from Gettysburg is just, you know, how some – so those minor mistakes – uh, ultimately, ended up having such an enormous outcome, not only on the Civil War, but really the, you know, the, the history of the United States itself. Uh, explain. Well, just you know, I mean, that was the turning point of the Civil War, uh, and you know, if decisions had been made differently, um, I think the you know the outcome of the Civil War certainly could have been prolonged. Um, I don't think that it would have ended as uh, as soon as it did. Um, and that really could have had, I think, a an enormous impact on uh, both the North and the South, you know, for decades to come.
6: Cam, switching gears to our current predicament around here. We have the DHS getting sued over social media surveillance. Democrat lawmaker says it's time to call us terrorists. Former CIA counterterrorism chief says we need to treat domestic extremism like terrorism. Cam, this is getting, I mean... Scary? Is there a better word than that? No, I think "scary" is a good word for it. You
11: know, and we've we've gone through periods in our history where you know we've seen this. I mean, you go back a hundred years uh, to the to the first Red Scare, right, and the Palmer Raids when uh, Attorney General Mitchell Palmer's home was bombed um, by anarchists, and uh, and and the result was a massive crackdown on you know anybody that was remotely affiliated. Uh, with anarchism or socialism or communism, or maybe they were just immigrants, uh, you know, and we saw, you know, massive numbers of deportations. We saw a huge crackdown on civil rights under the Woodrow Wilson administration. So the left has done this before, uh, you know, when, when they see the opportunity to crack down on civil liberties and to go after groups that are disfavored in their eyes, um, they'll use You know, events, whether it's the storming of the Capitol, uh, whether it's the bombing of the attorney general's house. But they'll use those events to then go after, you know, uh, anybody and everybody that uh, that they think that uh, they can target as a result of those actions.
6: Cam, why can't the right see it? So now I'm not all the right, but especially the Washington, D.C. area politicians and pundits. I feel like they're constantly on defense, can't see what the left is doing, can't see why they're doing it. Is it can't see, won't see? Is it co- cowardice? Is it weakness? What is it?
11: Well, I think part of it is a maybe an unwillingness to recognize uh, the playing field. You know, and, and you know this very well, Jess. I mean, conservatives and, and the left do not operate on a level playing field. Uh, the left has the mainstream media. The left has academia. The left has – Pop culture, uh, primarily. And, you know, and and we on the right understand that. And I think the successful conservatives are those who adjust their tactics to recognize this unlevel and unfair playing field. You're right, though. There are a lot of Republicans who want to just play along uh, with whatever Democrats want to talk about. They are content to let Democrats set the agenda. uh, And then, you know, they they react and respond uh, rather than going on offense themselves.
6: Okay, well, how do we change that mentality? Can we change that mentality, or is that mentality part of what makes us on the right? I mean, look, the communists are more aggressive by nature. That's just how communists are. Yeah. You know, part of it,
11: I think, is baked into the cake, right? Uh, Because if we were to adopt every tactic of the left, we would not be of the right anymore. Uh, And so there are some things that I think are... Generally speaking, um, you know, unconservative principles, the idea that uh, government is responsible for everything, the idea that uh, the politics of personal destruction uh, without the possibility of redemption is the uh, the way that we should move forward in this country. Those are very unconservative ideas. And I think if the right adopts them, we're going to fail. Uh, I think what we need to do, what I'd like to see us do, uh, is to be more aggressive in promoting individual liberty, promoting individual responsibility, promoting individual freedom, including freedom of expression and freedom of thought. Uh, you know, if for, for a long time in this country, it was the left that was arguing against censorship, that was arguing against conformity. But now that they feel like they've got the cultural and political power, it's not about resistance. It's not about letting your freak flag fly. It is about conforming and obeying to their demands. Uh, and so I think, you know, honestly, there are a lot of examples from American history the right could use to point out the left's hypocrisy uh, and to point out that you know in a free society you must have free people
6: amen cam edwards bearingarms.com thank you for giving us a few minutes today my brother hey thanks jesse yeah here's my problem do we think are we under the impression americans are still hungering for liberty now, you're, you're hearing my voice. You're probably saying, Oh, yeah, I am. But as a whole, are Americans craving liberty? All right, where I agree with Joe Biden massively, I'll describe it in a second.
2: Brought to you by the Ad Council and its Pre-Diabetes Awareness Partners.
6: Defense Secretary orders the resignation of hundreds of people that serve on the Pentagon's 42 civilian advisory boards purging a number of Trump loyalists 8773774373 Jesse at Jessekelllyshow.com you can find me on social media at Jesse Kelly DC I'm on Twitter I'm on Instagram I'm on Facebook I need to put up more pictures of myself on Instagram Chris what I mean I, I, I looked my wife told me the other day she said you know all your pictures are of food right? It's not right. It's not right. I have a couple pictures of me on there. But really, what the people want to see, Chris, is pictures of me. We have a new review from iTunes. I love the history lessons. Political commentary is spawned on. He's entertaining and, like all Marines, devilishly handsome. In fact, I imagine most people listen just because he's so doggone attractive. Can't possibly agree more. (laughs) All right. Joe Biden's absolutely right to fire these people. I'll tell you why. Hang on. 877 377 Jesse at com. Defense Secretary orders the resignation of hundreds of people that serve on Pentagon's 42 civilian advisory boards purging a number of Trump loyalists Republicans Take notes That's how it's done I will never understand this phenomenon Bill Clinton gets into office. Boom. Everyone's fired. Every U.S. attorney. uh, Pack up your stuff. You're gone. Oh, but I'm actually okay. Oh, I'm not taking the chance. Pack up your stuff. You're gone. George Bush gets elected. Oh, you guys can stay. Why you can stay? Well, no, I've got to be a good guy. I want to be a good guy. Aren't I a good person? Barack Obama gets elected. Fired, everyone. Bye. Stanley McChrystal makes an offhand comment to somebody. Some reporter picks it up. He was on the next plane out of town. See ya. Peace. You so much as looked at Obama sideways in his government. Bye. Gone. Let me go get my people. Donald Trump gets elected. Man famous. Famous. For saying what? Everybody knows it. What's he famous for? You're fired. Everybody watches it. Everyone did. I did. For sure. Keeps everybody. Not only does he keep everybody, hires people who hate him and hate his agenda to work in his White House and then spends four years getting absolutely hobbled By people within his own government. Every other day, word from the Pentagon says Trump's failing. Word from the White House says Trump said this. They impeached him, remember? That was his own State Department. Why is some anti-Trump Democrat hack still in employment with your State Department? Even if you can't fire these federal employees, congratulations. You just got promoted to working a radio tower in Alaska. Goodbye. Peace. Fire everyone. What is it with this trusting nature of the right? It is a contact sport. They play it like a blood sport. They play it like it's the end-all be-all. They're in it to win it. We play it. Oh, we're just having some fun. Some funsies. When we're done having fun, we'll go out to dinner. We'll have fun together. I'll never forget... What was his name? Orrin Hatch. Sorry. Orrin Hatch. He was that long-term senator from Utah. And Ted Kennedy. Everybody remembers Ted Kennedy. You know, the guy who killed the woman? Ted. Yeah, that Ted Kennedy. And Ted Kennedy dies... Orrin Orrin Hatch had to give, it was either at his eulogy or his funeral, Orrin Hatch gets up and starts talking about, you know, their old friend stories. Apparently they were old buddies. And Hatch tells this story about how Ted Kennedy got up in the Senate floor and just, gave this long speech destroying Orrin Hatch for some position he'd taken. And I mean crucifying him, name-calling him. Hatch, you're such a scumbag, all these other things. And then Hatch is telling the story. See if you could find this, by the way. You're looking, Of course, he's looking for a good job, Chris. And then Hatch is telling the story. And when he's done, I'm doing this off of memory, by the way. When he's done, he says, yeah, Ted met me backstage. Or back behind the curtain and says, How'd I do, Oren? And he got a good laugh. Everybody in the crowd laughed. Ah, That's so funny. You guys were actually friends when he was killing you publicly, but you were friends and you were friendly with him. And it's so funny. It's so cute. I, I didn't find that funny at all. I didn't find it even slightly funny. You know what it told me? It told me you're not in it to win it for me. Remember what we talked about at the beginning of the show? The whole show's available on iHeart, Google, Spotify, iTunes. Leave a five-star rating. Leave a review talking about how handsome I am. But we opened the show talking about Gettysburg and these huge, huge, critical mistakes Robert E. Lee made. Might have ended the South. South might have won it all. Huge mistakes he made. These are high stakes. I don't have time. You don't have time. We're talking about the future for your kids and your grandkids and my kids and my grandkids and what this culture looks like and what this country looks like. I don't have time for you to go back and be good buddy pals with the communists who are trying to murder us. We don't have time for that. The stakes are too high. They are. They're way too high. All right, Now, remember, Fridays are Ask Dr. Jesse Fridays. But we have decided, because it has become so absurdly popular, we're going to start sprinkling in an Ask Dr. Jesse question or two throughout the week. I got this one. I thought it was good. Dear Jesse, you and your five best guy friends are heading to a ranch cabin to drink bourbon, eat steaks, and eventually shoot stuff. You must pick one celebrity to join the party. The other guys don't know anything about this, so there's a surprise factor you have to consider. Do you bring someone like the Tiger King because he's ridiculous, a professional comedian, an athlete, anybody is fair game? Well, first of all, I don't bring five-guy friends anywhere. I don't do that. You see... I'm not close enough with five dudes that I want to spend an entire weekend with five dudes, but setting that aside, setting that aside, there are some things you don't do. One, you don't bring someone like Tiger King along. And here's why he would be hugely entertaining for about 20 minutes. And then he would wear on you. You have the, oh, c- hold on. Chris has the, you, that's amazing, Chris. Chris has the Orrin Hatch Ted Kennedy clip I was just describing. Play
2: it. But there was a time when smoking was allowed during the committee meetings and hearings. And during that time, you can always tell when Teddy and I were in an argument or were fighting by the amount of cigar smoke that he blew my way as a non-smoking Mormon. <laughs> if there was a particularly strong disagreement, He would just sit back in his chair, puffing smoke my way, giving me an actual headache to go along with the political headaches he gave to all of us on the Republican side. Other times, in committee, on the floor, or even in the press, Teddy would lay into me with the harshest, red meat, liberal rhetoric you could imagine. But just minutes later, he'd come over and put his arm around me and ask, how'd I do,
6: Man, I remembered that almost to a T. How about that, Chris? (laughs) But you know why it stuck with me? I mean, everybody knows I have an extremely low IQ. The the reason that stuck with me was, I mean, am I supposed to cheer for that? Am I supposed to laugh about that? He's out there trying to wreck the nation and y'all are just palling it up? That's supposed to make me happy? Ha ah, just a just a couple pals doing pal stuff. ha. Ah, I'm sorry, I don't think it's funny. All right, back to the email. No, you don't invite someone ridiculous like Tiger King because he would wear out his welcome quickly. You said a professional comedian as a suggestion. And here's the thing. And I'm sorry to burst everybody's bubble. But as you well know, I have walked through virtually every walk of life you can. I didn't come up doing this. I've done a million different things in my life. But now, because of what I do, the radio and TV stuff, I mingle with more people who are considered, you know, the celebrity types than I used to. Now, not Hollywood Walk of Fame stuff. But, you know, you just end up meeting some of these people, like-minded people, end up at the same event somewhere. Are you ready to have your bubble burst? I'm going to burst your bubble hard. Hang on a sec.
3: Follow, like, and subscribe on social at Jesse Kelly Show. Wake up and text. Text and eat. Mm
9: -mm. Text and catch the bus.
4: That it has nothing to do, nothing at all to do with the First Amendment. The First Amendment has to do with the Congress. It doesn't it does allow
11: have, you, as d- a
1: Supreme Court justice said, the First Amendment is not designed to allow you to scream fire in a crowded theater.
4: Yeah. And well, that's, that's what this is. Well, that's, well, I don't know if it's the equivalent of that. and that whole, Telling them to come down? You, you can actually. Go after them? Well, don't Chris, let, let them certify? You know that you can actually scream crowd fire in a crowded theater. That's a misnomer, but we you, don't want to get if, into that. If
11: you do, and then people get hurt. You're going to jail. Well,
4: maybe. No,
11: maybe. that's the law. That you, it doesn't allow you to uh, do whatever not, you it's want. It's not really you have the right law to say Check whatever it out. you want.
4: That was overturned too. That whole any I don't want to get into that cuz it's I'm too not far. I'm not talking in
11: the lead. about hate speech or what's
4: protected. I what know, I'm but saying
8: is this.
11: You I can't looked it up all day. Riot. That's
4: not the crowd the fire in the crowded theater is not a thing. It's a misnomer. Trust me. No, Check it out. No, it was dicta
11: from a Supreme Court case that about was the overturned. extent of what it protects okay, as yes. speech
1: versus action.
2: Yeah. Okay.
6: <laughs> it's never going to stop being funny. It's never going to stop being funny. And you know, I I don't say this a lot. Like I don't I don't try to just blast away at individuals a lot, but in all seriousness, Don Lemon might be the dumbest person in cable news and Cuomo just got corrected by Don Lemon. <laughs> That's a rough day. All right, back back to our the the question was this. Dear Jesse, you and your five best guy friends head into a ranch cabin to drink bourbon, eat steaks, and eventually shoot stuff. You have to pick one celebrity to join the party. Other guys don't know anything about it. He asked, do you bring in someone crazy like the Tiger King? No, because he'd get old fast. And then he asked about a professional comedian. I've been around multiple, multiple professional comedians. Here's the truth. They're always on. They're always trying to be funny. They're always, always trying out new jokes. So there's never a moment. like Timing, the the most underrated thing in the world when it comes to conversations is timing. When to joke, when to be serious, when to shut up, when to talk, reading the temperature of the room. Comedians are completely, completely unable to do it. They're, they're completely unable to do it. They, they just, every time I've been around one, they're all the same. Every single thing that comes out of their mouth is trying to be funny guy. And, and look, you know, I love to laugh. Who loves to laugh more than me? I love it. It's obnoxious. And you know what? I got to be honest again, because I do this now. I know I have this, I have this experience. Radio guys are even worse, it's not for the funny thing. It's for, like you'd be shocked. The people who hang out with me will tell you, I'm the quiet guy at parties. I just I don't talk a lot. I'd rather sit and watch and observe, sip on a whiskey, chill out. I'll talk when it's appropriate. It's not like I hide in the corner. I just don't talk a lot. It's just in my private life. I do not. I don't like talking on the phone. If you call me, I'm not answering. Especially now, I talk four hours a day. If you call me just to chat, hey, man, we haven't talked in a while. Hey, buddy, uh, the Russians are invading. I don't care. Send me a quick text message. I'll text you. But I don't want to talk. But that is very much the exception. Every radio guy I've ever been around is always dominating the conversation like this. And I don't actually think of it, they're always talking really loud and like that really loud projecting radio voice. And no, here's what I really think. But, whoa, but I need you to dial that down for me like 90 notches now. And he mentioned, I'll tell you something else. He mentioned in this thing, it's part of the list: celebrities. He mentioned athletes. <sighs> All right, let's just offend everybody. That's what I do anyway, Chris. You might as well just offend everybody. You know the old uh, dumb blonde jokes. Everybody knows the dumb blonde jokes, where you make a joke about how stupid blonde women are. Here's the real reality because there's a little truth behind all the, the prejudice jokes. You know, there's always a little truth mixed in there somewhere. Here's the reality of it. If you're a woman, a beautiful woman, and you've been beautiful, and that's just kind of your nature. You always had whatever the bone structure for it, whatever you just were always an attractive woman. You don't develop The same skills an ugly woman develops because when you're a beautiful woman, it's not that everything gets handed to you. That's a lie. But your stupid jokes, he'll still laugh at them. Your boring conversation things you bring up, you don't ever get shamed out of doing that or told how lame it is. You just don't develop. Look, all human beings develop the skills they have out of necessity. We all do the bare minimum. And when you're a beautiful woman from the beginning, you oftentimes don't develop the same intellect, the same wit, the same, you know, you just don't develop because you don't have to. It's not an insult. You don't have to. If you're really looking for a score, fellas, find the chick who was ugly your whole life and then got smoking hot at like 20. Then you get the best of both worlds. But I digress. The exact same thing happens with athletes. These professional athletes I've met are so criminally boring and dumb that's not universal. Don't, now you don't know my buddy Mark. He played. I, look, I've had professional athletes on the show. I, I, I get it. Some of them are interesting and I love those guys. But so often when you're a professional athlete, you were almost always extremely athletic as a young man. And what comes with that? Well, popularity, girls, all so many things come with that that you didn't have to have a personality for. It's just like the beautiful woman. Just like the be- these athletes, it always cracks me up when you hear these uh, athletes in college talking about how we should get paid and life is hard. You talk to any one of these guys, their entire life has been handed to them. And yeah, they work hard. I'm not saying it's not hard work. Life is good. I was in the Marine Corps with uh, one of my one of my good buddies was a third string quarterback here in Texas. Third string. He would he would tell you all the time. I, I never saw the field. He had almost all of his grades, A's and B's, handed to him in high school. He was treated like a god. You don't want a professional athlete there either. You really don't. Yeah, Chris is right. Backup quarterback. You're right. That's that's probably backup quarterback or, one of, or maybe an offensive lineman like a center because they're not going to get the same, you know, everything that everybody else gets. But <sighs> that's the thing. Celebrities are so boring. For the most part, in person, they're so boring. I'll tell you who I'd probably pick. I'd probably pick some kind of aging rock star, someone like Mick Jagger, and this is why. Not that I think he's interesting his personality-wise, but they've had such insane life experiences and so many of them, I mean, 30, 40, 50 years of private jets and concert tours and yachts and, and, and performing for some Arab sheik somewhere. They have so many years and years and years of wild stories. You could pack a weekend full of the Oh, hey, this reminds me of the time I was in uh, Yugoslavia. These guys live insane lives, man. Insane lives. That celebrity life is is different. And those guys who've lived it for a long time, oh, yeah, that's the way I'd go. I'd go, what, Chris, you disagree? Chris just said Joey Diaz. I have no idea who Joey Diaz is. Who is Joey Diaz? An older comic with life experience. Now, let me ask you something. Is this somebody we can play any of his clips of on the air? No? You're already shaking your head. Okay. All right. Well, never mind. So I'm not encouraging you to go listen to Joey Diaz. I personally am, obviously. (laughs) But I'm going to have to go check. I don't know Joey Diaz. No, I mean, look. One of the older comics like that would be Richard Pryor. Oh, gosh. Richard Pryor is so freaking funny. Is he still alive? I think he's dead. He was awesome. Well, I hope he's not dead. Now I feel bad. All right. Hang on. You're going to want to listen to this guest.
2: One in three adults has prediabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy. Yeah your fruit ball buddy. Or you, your best man, your worst man. You, your dog walker, your cat jogger. While one in three adults has prediabetes, with early diagnosis, prediabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its Pre-Diabetes Awareness Partners.
6: Well, we talk enough about stand-up comedians on this show. Might as well bring one on. Coming on now is husband, father, comedian, and host of Part of the Problem, Dave Smith. Dave, tell me about the first time you stood in front of a crowd and tried to make people laugh.
12: Ooh, um, the first time I ever did it professionally was at an open mic uh, in New York City, and uh, it was in front of a crowd of other angry old failed comedians, (laughs) which is uh, just brutal. And it was uh, didn't go great, but I got a couple chuckles, and I was like, all right, I think this is going to be my life.
6: Well, is it? I've always thought, I, of course, bombing would be a terrible feeling, but I've always thought that has to be a great feeling when you're standing up there and you're rolling and you know it and they're dying.
12: Yeah, well, particularly at first. When you first start, bombing is the worst nightmare ever, and killing is the greatest thing imaginable. But after you've been doing it for a long time, you know, you just become a jaded comedian, and none of it really matters anymore. <laughs> and, and you know, you can you could bomb, and then just be like, whatever. I'm I'm ready to go home. Who cares?
6: Do you find it difficult in this ultra stupid sissy society we live in now to try to make people laugh without offending anybody? Because you're plenty offensive.
12: Oh yeah, no, I am, and very proud of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was it was interesting. So I started comedy uh, in 2006. And so it really was a different time uh, in terms of, like, the, the level of people being offended, particularly doing it in New York City. Um, and, and so the woke stuff really came in. You know, it was like somewhere around between 2012 and 2016, you notice crowds getting tighter and tighter on what words you couldn't say, what paths you couldn't go down. And then by the time Trump came in, it was like, if you even started talking about Trump, the entire audience would not be with you unless it's like, they'd be waiting for you to establish it. Like, you hate him, right? You have to make sure you let us know that you hate him. And then we could maybe laugh with you on this. But, you know, I, I was lucky that I got in and kind of got myself established before that whole thing took over. Um, and I've, I've had a lot of fun with it. I like I like going at crowds. I have no problem with walking some snowflake
6: liberals out of, out of a show. <laughs> Why? why libertarianism um because libertarians are right
12: about everything Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. that uh basically everything the the role uh, conservatives uh make a lot of good points when it comes to the role of tradition and family and culture but when it comes to the role of government libertarians are absolutely right and this has been the I think the major detriment in the conservative movement is that they think they're going to somehow win an election, take control of these institutions which are progressive by their very nature. And uh, I think that's what you saw with Donald Trump. It doesn't matter if you get your guy in. These institutions are designed to serve progressive ends. And so it doesn't really matter. In many ways, we might be better off with Joe Biden in there because at least now you can point to the enemy, which is the state. And always has been. Nothing does more to undermine family, culture, community, uh, sanity than than the state.
6: Mm-hmm. Are you trying to say you're not supportive of the flowering democracy we've created in Afghanistan?
12: <laughs> yeah, no, it's going it's going really well, isn't it? I think uh, Joe Biden just announced that uh, or at least uh, some, some of his people are saying it looks like we're, we're not going to leave. We're not quite ready. We just need another few decades in there, and then I'm sure. This will, democracy doesn't even work here. Why would we think we could spread it to the Middle East?
6: Dave, I am obviously extremely small government. I mean, I come up libertarian on all these, all these online stupid tests we take. However, I struggle with something mightily. Uh, libertarianism for me is the opposite of communism, and that's where you want to end up. However, it does not appear to be able to counter communism. It does not appear to be able to defeat it. It's the opposite of it, but it hasn't worked. You can't just say no. You can't just play defense. Otherwise, you end up completely screwed like we are now. What say you?
12: Oh, yeah. Well, I guess uh, the conservative movement has done a great job in preventing this from happening itself. So, I mean, you've you've got a point, sure. Mm -hmm. But what what has anything else done to to slow any of this down? So if we know like to me, this becomes more a question of strategy than anything else. If we know uh, free markets and individual liberty is where we want to go, how do we get there? I mean, that's a very fair question. And basically every attempt has been failing so far. But I will say that as much as I I do uh, think that the the conservative people in general, Republican voters, are in a much better place now than they have been in the past. But, you know, look, you you guys, you could have voted for uh, the the modern-day version of Thomas Jefferson and Ron Paul, and you chose Mitt Romney. So I think that was not the way to go.
6: Why don't don't conservatives have – in general, especially their politicians, why no backbone? Why are they always chasing whatever the left wants them to chase, always talking about what the left wants them to talk about? And it drives me up the wall. I crush them for it all the time. I don't understand it. Explain the mentality to me because I don't get it.
12: Well, I think that your feeling has been – that's been building a lot on the, in the, uh, amongst Republican voters. And I think Trump was really the ultimate expression of that, right? Right. Like, we want somebody who will fight against these guys. Why are we constantly capitulating to their standards where we can't possibly win? Um, but I will say that the Republican establishment are deeply, deeply corrupt. And uh, I, I don't know that it's all just this innocent, oh, we, we want to make sure the left doesn't think that we're racist. I think the truth is that a lot of these guys – there is – the. the the United States of America's federal government is the biggest entity in the history of the world. There's, it's trillions Ugh. and trillions of dollars. I, I don't know what the total spending for 2020 will end up being, but it will be well over $5 trillion. Um, there, is, there are people getting filthy rich off of this all over the place, and those people, uh, you know, through the revolving door, through campaign donations, through, hey, you know, the whole Joe Biden setup where your kids and your brother just get rich off of that. There's a lot of people making money off this, so it's like this game makes a lot of sense for them to play it. It just doesn't work out very well for the country.
6: Kind of off what you said earlier, my big silver lining in Trump losing is people on the right, whether it be conservative, libertarian, whatever you call yourself, can stop fooling themselves about this silent majority lie. If I have to hear that one more time, I'm going to put my head through the wall. We're not some silent majority. We've lost the culture completely. And Trump was just a way for people to convince themselves we weren't done.
12: Yeah, I think that's right. And and I think that the, you know, the, the left, what, what Trump allowed the left to do was to pose as the resistance, which was completely ridiculous because they weren't resisting anything. I mean, they were just against Trump. But if, if a CIA you know, spy came out and said, oh, Trump's in bed with Russia, then they'd say, God bless the men and women of the CIA. God bless the corporate press. We love the Congress. We love, so they weren't resisting anything. But now, with conservatives being the resistance, they, they have the potential to form a true resistance where you're not just resisting the president, you're resisting the entire cathedral. You're resisting the corporate press, academia, the deep state, uh, both parties' establishments. So to me, that's a, a benefit. But I, I also think that, you know, I'd, I'd have libertarians who are making arguments for me, but like, look, you know, Trump's trying to end the war in Afghanistan, or he's trying to, you know, to, protect freedom or something and i'm like look all the wars are still going we're spending more money than ever and i've been locked in my house for a year what, what exactly am i supposed to be celebrating what victory has, has have anyone who cares about freedom what, what have we gotten for this so uh, joe joe biden is nakedly corrupt he's an old and competent man i don't know there's some benefit to having that as the face of the yeah. government
6: dave where can people get your podcast man
12: Oh, part of the problem, it's available everywhere. You can go to gasdigitalnetwork.com and get it. But it's up wherever you can get podcasts.
6: Appreciate you very much, my brother. That was awesome.
12: Absolutely. Happy to do it.
6: Be good. Yeah, where are the winds? Where are the winds? All right. Five-day forced lockdown? Hang on.
3: is he smarter than everyone who knows does he think so yeah the jesse kelly show
5: no word in the english language is less convincing than probably are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date
0: sure um, we'll probably stay together
5: probably <laughs> it's been 23 minutes since i ate Yeah, I'm probably okay. Probably okay isn't okay, especially when it comes to drinking and driving. If you're drinking, call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council.
7: you should all be fired from your day jobs because if your employers knew that you were more inf- inefficient than the, than the DMV, you would be replaced in a heartbeat. I literally just finished a conference call because I'm having to multitask to be here to, to address you guys. You're a bunch of cowards hiding behind our children as an excuse for keeping schools closed. You think you're some sort of martyrs because of the decisions you're making when the statistics do not lie that the vast majority of the population is not at risk from this virus. The garbage workers who pick up my freaking trash risk their lives every day
9: more than anyone in this school system. Figure it out or get off the podium because you know what? There are people like me and a line of
5: other people out there who will gladly take your seat and figure it out. It's not a high bar. Raise the freaking bar.
6: (laughs) It's never going to get old. Go run for that school board. Headline 2 million Australians forced into five day full lockdown after a single hotel security guard tests positive for COVID. And the arrests have already started. This is from notthebee.com. That's right. They're placing people in handcuffs over there. And if you ever talk to these guys from Australia or from the UK, and we've seen all these insane things, barging into homes, arresting people, they will scream at you. They will scream at you as an American and say, how can you not see it? We were exactly where you are now. This is coming to you. This is coming for you. It's coming to your shores if you don't do something to stop it. But they don't stop it. They don't stop it. We can't, we can't win the tiny battles. We don't even fight them. We lay down in our shame. Headline, monument commemorating the spirit of pioneers is removed from Oklahoma College. A monument at Oklahoma City Community College depicting Oklahoma Land Run of 1889 has been removed. It features settlers racing to stake land claims with the phrase, May the spirit of the pioneers always be with us, faced significant backlash, according to the Oklahoman. Complaints came through social media and letters to the editor editor of the student-run paper, The Pioneer. We can't even keep simple monuments up. Where are the fighters in this society? Where is the backbone? Where is it? Driving me crazy. All right, I got an email here. It was nice. Jesse, not sure if this email will find its way to you. Listen, when I tell you I read every email, I read every email. And I will be honest with you now as the show has grown and it's growing very rapidly, a lot more rapidly than we ever hoped it would grow as the show keeps growing. The email stack I have waiting for me every single day is growing as well. And I'm sure if it continues along this path, there's going to come a day where I will not be able to read every email producer. Chris is just going to have to, he's going to have to dump some of them for me. And when that day comes, I'll be honest with you. I'll stop saying I read every email. As soon as I stop reading every email, I'll stop telling you I read every email. Every email you send in to jesse at jessekellyshow.com, jesse at jessekellyshow.com, I read them. I'm doing the best I can. I will read all of them for as long as I can until I'm out of time. I just only have so much time in the day. Send in your love. Send in your hate. Your death threats, your Ask Dr. Jesse questions, they all go right to Chris. He prints them. I read them all. So, yes, it found its way to me. But I wanted to send a note to thank you for your voice. There are virtually no reliable voices on the right, and you have been ahead of the curve for years with your discussion of a national divorce. You seem to be the only notable figure that understands the score right now and the stakes of the battle ahead. We are in a scary place in our history, and I'm terrified of the dark days ahead. I'm... Guy goes on to say he's about to be laid off. Sisters laid off last week. The only reason I'm able to see what's coming, you know I am the oracle, Chris, but no, in all seriousness, the only reason I've been able to see what's coming is not because of anything special. I just understand these people. I love history. I love history, frankly, more than I love politics. Politics, I do, and I, and I do enjoy it, but history is a passion. I love history because it tells me not just stories and war stories and mafia stories and explorer stories and all the stuff we talk about. I love history because it tells me about people, and people don't change. And if you learn about people, and learn what makes people tick and how people operate, you will find yourself ahead of the curve much of the time. I don't have any kind of special intellect or training or ability. I just know people. I know how they are. I know who they are. I know what they want. And I know, I know when I'm told, go home or you're all going to die. I know a good screw job when I hear one. When I hear all oh, the cops are racist, uh, that that doesn't add up at all. And I am not shamed into believing big lies, no matter how much you scream them at me. Hang on.
0: Visit AdoptUSKids.org.
8: Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt US Kids, and the Ad Council.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, we have arrived in Philadelphia.
7: Local time is 3.05 p.m. and the temperature is 67 degrees. At this time, you are now free to use your cellular devices.
9: You know that feeling when you get to turn your phone on after the plane lands? You can have that feeling every time you drive. Make sure your cell phone is stowed away whenever you are behind the wheel.
1: Visit StopTextStopRex.org. A message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, Project Yellow Light, and the Ad Council.
6: You know, they say, and whatever you do, whatever your job is, they say, Being able to analyze yourself, your strengths and your weaknesses and being able to humbly just, you know, lay out what you are is a real key to success, to advancement. And I have to say, I've been awesome today. What, Chris? What? We still have to get our sombrero for the studio. Don't forget sombrero Jesse coming out on Cinco de Mayo. Gosh, that's going to be sweet. I know I'm not allowed to drink on the air Are we allowed to have a margarita machine in here for one, two, are we allowed to have a mariachi band in the studio? And if we are, will it come? What? What? Will it come across on the speakers? We can do that, right? Oh, we're totally doing that. And we're going to have them sit here for like three hours and just randomly, just randomly break out into song. Gosh, it's going to be sweet. I'm so excited for it. It's like three months away. (laughs) That's all. That's eight 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 four 84 Jesse or go to timesharejessy.com Newton Group Transfer they will help you out
9: for For more details.